Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Wednesday morning. We are just over halfway through the college football season for Michigan State. We are idle this week, which means we are going to try to pack as much stuff into this episode as we possibly can. Uh, We put out a call for a mailbag. We put out a call for some takes. Uh, over the weekend as well as yesterday and you guys answered the bell we have a ton of stuff we're going to try to squeeze superlatives and after that so buckle up we have a jam-packed episode and I mean that uh, sincerely this thing's packed to the gills so uh, Scott how are we it's it's like I said it's Wednesday morning October the 20th yeah we're we're good we have a weekend here where we don't have to worry about about putting our undefeated um, record on the line. I mean, I'd certainly take an extra MSU football game if I could get one, but get to kick the feet up this weekend, relax a little bit, pray for Northwestern to uh, pull off a miracle here um, and uh, and enjoy the weekend and, and get ready for rivalry week next week. Well, I'm sure Michigan will leak into this episode a little bit here and there as it typically does, but we're going to try to focus on kind of where we've gone so far, the season so far, what we've liked, what we haven't liked. And uh, and next week, we will be getting fully diving into Michigan, all things Michigan in the game coming up next weekend. So excited for this episode. Like you said, it's jam-packed. A lot of stuff we don't always get time to talk about uh, in our typical schedule. So it should be a good one. Yeah, and this weekend, if if you have a wife or girlfriend or fiance who doesn't really pay much attention to Michigan State football or football in general, um, this is one where you can take her out on a nice Saturday date, day or night. Uh, you don't have to mention anything about the game uh, and or the lack of a game, and she doesn't have to know that we're not actually playing, and that's why you chose this Saturday. Try to play up the sacrifice a little bit, but not too much. Right. You can't say anything about, oh, like I'm missing that you, you can't play it up too much. But if, if you play it right, you can earn some brownie points that'll that'll last you through the rest of the season. So this is a key weekend for us boyfriends, fiancés and husbands out there. Yeah, the uh, pumpkin patches, apple orchards, corn mazes, etc. of Michigan should be packed to the gills this weekend. This is your chance, Michigan State fans um to uh to earn a little bit of your good graces back so take advantage of the opportunity yeah if she says something about like oh there's no football on this weekend just very vague general well there are games but no it's okay you know we i want to spend time with you right so this is a good weekend for that uh pro tip out there but no, let's uh, let's dive into this as much as we can. Like we said, it's it's jam packed here. So before we do, obviously we know DraftKings by now is is the greatest sports book on the planet Earth. I, I mean that that part is has been proven time and time again. Uh, they are an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and they got you covered this week. You can bet just five dollars on any NFL game to any NFL team to win their game. And if you do, you win $200 in free bets. Uh, You just bet the team to win. They win. You get the money. Simple as that. Matt Stafford and the Rams are playing against the Detroit Lions. Uh, I can say pretty comfortably which side that's going to go to. 
If the DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. You can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Um, All we got to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That stands for The Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member and supporter. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win. With promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler scott we got uh, i have 11 questions that i want to make sure we at least touch on we've got superlatives uh so we are going to start here uh i gotta pull this up here now uh over on twitter uh we put out the call on the twitter sphere and you guys have answered delightfully and i want to start there's a couple here that I'll, I'll read the question. I'll bring it up and, and tell you that we're not really addressing it. Uh, and and of, of course, we'll give you the reason why we won't just totally ignore you. Uh, but one of those that, that fits the criteria here while I pull this up is from Spartan bot. Uh, one of our great friends, Spartan one, eight, seven, seven, zero, who says, while I do not think Tucker will leave after this season, he probably will if successful, who in your opinion would be on a short list of candidates to replace him. Uh, I'll, I'll just touch on this real quick here. Even if this, even if we go undefeated this season, if we would 10 games, this coach Tucker, isn't leaving after this season. Again, we, we kind of addressed this. Is he a lifer? Probably not. We're nowhere near talking about shortlist for candidates to replace Mel Tucker. All right, let's, let's just leave it at that. Scott, anything to add there? No, I mean, if, uh, if, the world throws us a curveball. Mel Tucker somehow leaves the program. We'll deal with the short list then. Um, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Bear Bryant. I mean, those are the guys, first guys I'd call. We'll leave it there. Yeah. Uh, as a, And then number two, he had a take for us. He said, as in the Indiana game, the defense will need to win more games for the team going the rest of the way. I uh, definitely agree. We've seen the defense step up and, and that's going to be huge for this team. Like we, we kind of talked about last episode, like somebody else is going to shut down the offense to a certain extent. Defense is going to have to step up. Um, and, and we'll hit on that in, in a couple coming questions as well. Luthon underscore Spartan Luthon S on Twitter says, based on what we have seen through seven weeks and what we have coming, what guys do you see being on first or second team all-conference players? This is a good question, Scott. We've seen some kind of mid-season All-American type of stuff coming out. Um, and, And we kind of brought this up as a vague topic, but didn't really give any names recently. So First, second team, all Big Ten, the end of the season, we're sitting there, we're reading the lists, we're getting angry or getting happy about it. Uh, what guys do you see being on those teams? Well, we'll start with the offense. I think the defense maybe actually has more names than the offense. But uh, first and foremost, Kenneth Walker, uh, he's a midseason All-American on pretty much everybody's list. Uh, if he keeps up the good work through the tougher Big Ten schedule, he will certainly see his name on there. Um, on outside of that, on the offense, I think Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor have put themselves in a position to, to find those lists, but wide receivers, a deep group in the big 10. Um, and I, they're both going to have to keep up the good work. I mean, I don't think they've, they're necessarily even at the very top of the list right now, as things get tougher in the big 10, it's going to be tough for both of them anyway, to, uh, to keep up the high production. We could see one or the other be surprised to see both. Um, and obviously it'll, it'll depend on how things unfold and Peyton Thorne, I think has a shot at, uh, at the top two spots. Um, again, going to be tough going against big 10 defenses, but the quarterback position is, is down a little bit this year in the conference. And I think the door's open for him to sneak in. I think right now, CJ Stroud looks like he's headed for the top spot just because of where he's at. And the fact that the, the OSU offense has, 
uh, knocked all the rust off. They're going full steam ahead. I think they've scored like 160 something points in three conference games so far, um, which is just insane. So um, outside of that, before we move on from the offense, Kevin, am I missing anyone, any offensive linemen that have uh, piqued your interest? Uh, I, if anybody, Jarrett Horst, I think he's been the best offensive lineman, but I, I don't think there's any individual that's really going to overtake, you know, one of these guys from Iowa or Ohio state or Michigan, um, that have put good resumes out there. Like you said, Kenneth Walker should be kind of a lock. There are two first team running backs, two first team or two second team running backs. Um, if you're telling me by the end of the year, he's not a top four back in the conference. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, wide receivers, it's going to be really tough. I, I will say, you know, like you said, it's loaded. Uh, David Bell, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. It, there's uh, a lot of talented guys out there. But I think Jaden Reed, if if we include like specialists here, um, they have re- they have a return specialist position on the all conference team. Um, I'd say Jaden Reed sure as hell has a has a good shot at being first or second team there with probably Crookshank at at Rutgers. So uh, I think Jaden Reed will find his way on it more likely as a return guy than a wide receiver. But I would say that's probably about it. Peyton Thorne, second or third team, if he keeps this up for sure. Uh, but like we said, the, the tough part of our schedule defensive wise is certainly coming up. So he'll have to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll see guys continue to step up on that side of the ball. Obviously we've seen a couple sputtering performances now uh, from that group against good defenses and the defenses are only going to get better. So um, I I think we got to take somewhere out there in our mailbag about the fact that um, we're going to have to make midseason adjustments on offense. We're going to have to add some wrinkles. We're going to have to keep throwing new looks out there. So hopefully Jay Johnson and company can, uh, can cook some up for us and uh, we'll see some more success on that side of the ball but the lately surprisingly more exciting side of the ball has been the defense um it's been kind of a total flip of the script here as the defense came out a little bit uh struggling i think to just kind of get their feet under them early in the season and now have really made this scheme their own first and foremost xavier henderson should be a first team safety he has absolutely put first team numbers uh and performances up throughout the entire first half of the year. He's already at 60 tackles, seven tackles for loss, two sacks, an interception, uh, forced fumble. He's consistently helping in the run game, making plays in the pass game in coverage. He's, um, if not the best safety in the conference right now, I, I top two uh, certainly should be in the top two teams. Yeah, Xavier Henderson should be a lock, like you said. Jacob Panishuk should be a lock, especially if we're talking first or second team. And there is three teams, just as kind of a, a forward here. Uh, but Jacob Panishuk should be a lock. They just list kind of four defensive linemen. You know, it's not specific into tackles and ends, which makes it really difficult for a guy like Jacob Slade, who I think should absolutely be considered. Uh, but just as a defensive tackle, he's not going to have the stats that some of these edge rushers and stuff are going to have. That's one of the things that bothers me every year in these lists is there's no separation between ends and tackles. And you end up just getting the guys with the most sacks in production. So Jacob Panishuk is going to be a lock, though, on the first or second team, I would assume, by the end of the year. Jacob Slade should be in consideration for that spot without question. Uh, but he's going to have an uphill climb as an interior guy. He's going to have to boost up some of these stats uh, as the season goes on. Linebackers, Cal Halliday, that pick six was huge for him. It gave him a lot of notoriety and gave, I think, the the regional media coverage. Um, you know, something that, that us as Michigan State fans have known for a long time, but it, it kind of put him on the map in terms of the regional media. So I think that play was huge for him in, in kind of his campaign for one of those spots. Uh, Quivers Crouch has played good ball recently, but I, I don't know if he's going to have the numbers or the notoriety by the end of the year to get on one of those spots. But I would say Cal Halliday's got a pretty darn good shot. Yeah, I was just reviewing kind of the numbers here. And linebacker's an interesting position when it comes to stats. I, I don't think they tell the whole story, but Quivers Crouch actually has more tackles 
um, more sacks, more passes defensed, uh, a fumble forced and a fumble recovery, just like Halliday. I mean, they have very similar seasons going right now. Quaveris Crouch actually just a hair more productive as far as the numbers go, which um, I, I agree with what you said. I don't think necessarily his name's getting out there enough yet. Maybe he's setting himself up for some more attention next season, but um, just a quick shout out. He's having a phenomenal year and I think it's been pretty quiet. I think Cal Halliday has been taking a lot of notice from that group at, rightfully so. Uh, but Quaveris Crouch, he was a guy that we were like, Hey, how's this guy going to perform? He's a new guy. You know, a lot was made of his five-star running back um, history in high school. And, and the fact that he was coming up from an SEC program and everything. And early in the, you know, preseason throughout the preseason, we were like, it looks like he's going to start. What do we have here? And it, and it looks like we have a really strong big 10 linebacker. Um, so keep your eye on him as we face a lot more staunch running games. We're obviously going to need that group to be um, at their best as the season progresses. And Halliday's kind of got the, you know, this is a, it's a media voted and coaches voted award. And the, you know, let's, let's be honest to hear about who's voting for these. The, the media are, are a bit older folks, generally speaking, the coaches are coaches and uh, who would coaches and older media folks love more than Cal Halliday, who goes out there with no gloves, no swag, and these older coaches are, that's just a football player. I love the way he played. You know, that that story is going to matter too, uh, as, as much as it, it might be silly. So, yeah, I think Cal Halliday is going to have a shot. Um, punters, I want to bring up Bryce Berenger because he's had a hell of a year. But the Big Ten is just loaded with punters. It, it, it sounds silly, I know. But, like, Tory Taylor at Iowa is the best punter in the country. I don't think there's it's even close. So it's, it's going to be tough for him. Matt Coughlin as well. He's certainly got a shot at it. Um, I'll, I'll bring up the specialists too, because they're both having good years. Yeah. I mean, it's great to have them. Obviously Michigan state has a, a history of great specialists and it's continuing this season. But like you said, the big 10, I think more than a lot of conferences puts a premium on those positions um, and it's showing this year. So it's a tough one to crack the top uh, couple ranks there, but uh, in any case, like you said, great seasons for both of them so far, and uh, hopefully that will continue. So that one took a yep. little bit. I think no, we great. got to get into some of these rapid fires. Yeah, great question by Luthon Spartan. We we knew going in a couple of these we could sink our teeth into a little bit, and and a couple of them were were going to be rapid fire. One of those here will be Matt Boone at Boone for three. Should your rights to a podcast be removed if your reason why a team is overrated or bad is because you can't name a player on the team? If you're trying to make a living talking sports, maybe no things. Uh, sure, this is about Braylon Edwards. Uh, we all saw the clip. We all know what he said. It's it's obnoxious, but he's a Michigan guy. Michigan people do obnoxious things. Um, we probably say obnoxious things sometimes, and we don't get removed as a podcast, and, and that's the beauty of podcasting. Anything else to uh, hit on for the Braylon Edwards comments where would michigan state twitter be without takes like braylon edwards it makes the world fun i hope he continues them forever pin him up in the locker room or just drag him all over twitter uh either way uh you're really telling me you didn't enjoy the hell out of out of listening to that and laughing at him come on uh, i keep it up braylon i will never forgive braylon edwards for what he did to me in 2004 in my childhood and so i I will reserve saying anything too negative about Braylon Edwards because he killed my hopes and dreams as a 10 year old child. So um, at Nick Foster 23 on Twitter says, let's say this team finishes 10 and two. Do we see any major contributors on offense and defense that leave early or stay and try to win the big 10 next year? Uh, he brings up Kenneth Walker and Jaden Reed. I think those are probably the obvious ones as far as uh, underclassmen who might have the opportunity to leave. Uh, if, if we're talking about, um, you know, guys leaving early for the NFL. So I guess, first of all, like, you know, when you look at, there's a lot of that we've, we've talked, we've brought up this kind of buzzword before, but like the buy-in factor, right. And it's, you know, how much are these guys bought into the coaching staff and, and everything? And, and that could be the difference sometimes. And that's why we see guys come back to play for Tom Izzo because they love Tom Izzo. They believe that he is, is absolutely doing everything in his power to, to do everything for those kids. 
and they want to come back and win championships. They want to come back and win a national title after they lose in the final four. They want to come back and win a, a big 10 title after, after coming up just short. Um, if this Michigan state team goes 10 and two and falls just short of a big 10 title, you know, what, whatever the case may be, maybe we lost to Ohio state by seven points and it was a close game. And, and some of these guys, maybe even Jalen Naylor, we could throw into that conversation, um, who are, who are able to leave and, and also have the eligibility to come back. I think, I think we can settle on Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor and Kenneth Walker. Um, I, we, the other guys you could look at, I guess, Quaveras Crouch probably wouldn't go. Chester Kimbrough probably wouldn't go. Um, some of these guys that just don't have the the experience or the tape out there to to make an NFL team really want to draft them high. Peyton Thorn in that in that mix as well. So I think those three guys. Um, I, I I guess where do you want to take that? But yeah, Jalen Naylor, Jaden Reed, Kenneth Walker, would they come back? What are the dynamics of them coming back and why should they leave or stay? So there's a couple things playing into this. First of all, positions at, at wide receiver. Um, it's going to be tough for me to think it's time for either of these guys to go because when you go to the NFL, you got to be able to beat NFL DBs as a wide receiver uh, one-on-one and sure both of these guys have looked really good against subpar defenses um but when you go up against let's say ohio state's corners or penn state's corners are they going to be able to dominate those guys and really take over a game against top tier competition because they're only going to see better competition in the nfl i don't think they're there yet i think they need i think need i think they could benefit from another year of really refining their skills and, and finding kind of the smaller parts of technique, not just relying on their athleticism uh, to make plays. So wide receivers, I think it's going to be tough. They could surprise me. Jaden Reed with his returning ability would, I think, make it a little bit easier for him to find an NFL roster. But in any case, if they have the ability to come back and really make a campaign for themselves in a senior season, I think they'd benefit from it. Um I'll, I'll add to that and saying that, you know, on the side of them potentially leaving is that the NFL is turning a bit more spread and they're putting three, four, five wide receivers on the field at the same time. They're putting more wide receivers on the roster. And at the end of the day, we all know the NFL values speed. We see these guys getting drafted high all the time. That's just like, well, John Ross, I don't think is very good, but he runs a four, two. So let's draft him. Um, I don't think Jalen Naylor runs a four, two, but he he's going to run low four, four. And, you know, if, if a scout or if an agent tells him that somebody could go get him in day two and just hope on the traits, then, you know, I guess there's always a chance, but yeah, I think Kenneth Walker's probably gone. And I think these wide receivers would be best served to come back and, and refine their skills. Like you said. Yeah, I hadn't touched on Kenneth Walker yet, but I do think he, of the entire roster, shows the most promise as an NFL prospect. He just seems to have the whole package of, of what NFL teams are looking for these days. With the one maybe um, detractor that he hasn't really developed his, his receiving game, I'm not saying he can't do it. We just haven't really seen it. And that's something that if his rushing numbers drop off or he looks like he he can be shut down by a good defense – more than we've seen so far an NFL team may say, Hey, we wish you, you know, could play in both phases of the game a little bit more. That said, there's only so many running backs in the country that can measure up to what we've seen to Kenneth Walker. There's maybe only one running back in the country down at Texas who can measure up to what we've seen from Kenneth Walker. And you got a short lifespan in the NFL as a running back. So you got to get your bag when you can. Uh, another year in college just means another year of taking hits. Kenneth Walker has rushed the ball 152 times this year. That means he's been hit almost 152 times this year. Um, that's that's a lot of wear and tear. So if the NFL is ready for him, I think uh, he's going to answer the call. Yeah, and then the other guys, you know, just to make sure people know we're not forgetting about them. Xavier Henderson's a senior. Jacob Panishuk's a redshirt senior. I know the COVID eligibility thing is way out of whack, but yeah, those guys are, are upperclassmen. So um, we didn't really want to touch on them here. 
Benjamin Hunt, our boy B Hunt 31 on Twitter says, as we move into the more challenging part of our schedule, what do you expect our defense to be most vulnerable to against more potent offenses, be it play action, deep passes, crossing routes, et cetera. Follow up. How can they mitigate that vulnerability? I think the vulnerability is, is really simple because we've already seen it time and time again. And it's something that we've, we've handled, but it's that quick passing game. And, you know, Miami exploited it. Western Kentucky exploited it at times. Indiana tried exploiting it at times. And we, we were able to hold off the, the big plays, right? But there's a difference between the Western Kentucky receivers and Chris Olave. There's a difference between the Miami receivers, as good as Charleston Rambo is and was, there's a difference between him and Jahan Dotson down at Penn State, right? So I, I think as we start getting deeper into this schedule, there are a couple guys where, yeah, sure, we've been able to hold these guys in check and come up and make the tackles. But when you're looking at Jahan Dotson at, at Penn State, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson at Ohio State, David Bell at Purdue, uh, there are some names here that, you know, in, in the grand scheme of the Scotty Hazleton defense, which is, Hey, we're okay with you just dumping off, getting these short passes. Um, we're okay with that. When we have the talent to match up with the D with the wide receivers to come up and make the tackles, there are some wide receivers coming up on this schedule that are potential first round picks that might be able to, to break those for the 50, 60, 70 yard touchdowns that we haven't given up so far so anything quick to add to that one uh yeah that was the first thought for me as well the quick passing game and then um the red zone defense is going to be tested I'm not sure it'll be vulnerable uh but it's going to be harder to stack up these big 10 offenses with some of the best offensive lines in the country it's going to be hard to harder to win the battle at the line of scrimmage um when you get down into that red zone or red area whatever they call it in college um and, and that's going to be a test. I mean, you look at Ohio State's got potentially the best defensive line in the conference. The rest of their defense is shakier than years past, but their defensive line is still as, as good as anyone's. Um, so when we get when we allow a team to get down into the red zone, can we still stack up these stronger Big Ten offenses um, and keep them out of the end zone? So that'll be interesting to watch. Next one comes here from the weekend mailbag that we put out. So if, if you posted a question here, no, we didn't forget about you. We're still getting to you. Spartan bot again, comes back Spartan one, eight, seven, seven, zero. He says two months ago, I made the take that game day would be in East Lansing for the Michigan state, Michigan game. You both scoffed at me. If it happens, I want you guys to hold a media event to apologize for this shameful behavior. Um, I, Scott, I think you have a, a different side of this that you can address. But for me, I just want to make the comment that uh, this is public address that I, I really couldn't care less about game day. It's not what it used to be. I don't really care about it. It was in East Lansing all the time when we were students because we were there 2013, 14, 15 as students. We, game day was there three, four, five times. I didn't go to a single one of them. It's just not something I'm interested in. If you give me the the two choices of tailgating and standing in a crowd watching people talk, uh, I'll take tailgating every day. So um, I, I know you have another side of if game day is actually going to come or not, but I, I just couldn't care less either way. Yeah, I mean, I second everything that you said when we were in college. Um, game day in ESPN kind of ruled the college football world. And now it's, it's just another option. I think ESPN's either dropped off or everyone else has caught up a little bit, but uh, we're also just at the mercy of the reality of, of the media these days. I mean, Fox is the big Ten's partner and they've done their new big noon show to try to combat college game day. This is the marquee game of the week. It's the big noon game. So they'll be focused on our game. Our, our broadcaster will, um, and an ESPN doesn't doesn't probably really want to send their best talking heads to, you know, a game that isn't going to be on their network. They want to use their big show to promote their top game of the week. So it's not that this game is unworthy of college game day. It's just the reality of college football broadcasting these days is in programming is that uh, the cards were not in our favor um, on that note, while we're here, I don't think it made it into the mailbag, but I want to touch on the fact that Kevin decided to put his worst take of all time on Twitter 
uh, I think yesterday, um, that he doesn't think night games are better than noon games. And I, I will agree first and foremost that the three thirty time slot is the best time slot in college football. That is so universal I, reality. I didn't get the chance to clarify that on Twitter. I, I was planning on quote tweeting it and, and just addressing that off the, I'm not a, a full like noon game is the best. No, no. Three thirty is the optimal college football time without a doubt. But I, I don't love when my team is playing at night. I like night games. I don't like when my team is playing at night because I have to sit around all damn day and watch all these college football games. And I don't get to enjoy them because I'm just sitting and, and worrying and biting my nails and waiting. And I just, I don't love the night games on top of that. The night game is typically a primetime game where we have more commercials and it's a four and a half hour broadcast. And if I'm at the game, I'm hung over by the third quarter and I just don't love when my team is playing at, at in, in the evening slot. If we're playing at noon, we rip the bandaid off early. I'm a morning person. So we're up and drinking at 6 a.m. I love it. Um, it. After the game, I get to take a quick nap. Uh, whether we win or lose, it gives me time to, to recalibrate. Uh, 3.30 is the best. Noon games are second, night games are our last in terms of if my team is playing. So from a personal level, I could see how you'd have that opinion, but I think the, the pageantry and the environment and the spirit of college football is at its best for a big primetime game. You think of like the Penn state whiteout, probably my favorite college football atmosphere um, from an unbiased perspective in existence uh, always has to be a night game. It just looks better. You think about like the stripe, the stadium games, they look better at night. You get the blimp going and you get that, that uh, overhead shot of the whole stadium lit up with everything else in darkness. It just sets the stage that, Hey, all eyes are on this game. And, uh, and it's just the perfect atmosphere. I will say yes, from a personal level, there are some, some things that, that maybe make it uh, a challenge to get through the day. Um, if you're on campus, it's easier because you can just take the whole day and whether you're officially tailgating or not, you get, you know, from whatever time you wake up through to eight o'clock or whatever to, to party and have a great time, which is awesome. I will say I'm a morning person. Now I was not a morning person in college and getting up at 6am and trying to basically party, uh, the entire morning and, and still get to the stadium by noon could be a bit of a challenge. You know, you had there for was... the real big games, it wasn't bad, but for like, you know, you're getting up early season, you got Western Michigan in town and you're like, there was a game quick story. Like we, we were in a fraternity at uh, Delta Sigma Phi at Michigan state. There was a, it was a noon kick against Eastern Michigan. And we, me and Mike Stevenson, we were banging on doors, trying to get people up. We dragged a leftover keg from the night before from the basement all the way up to Stevenson's room. And me and him just kicked our feet up. We put on game day. We sat there with a keg and his, his next to us and his, on his couch. It was, it was a great time. Uh, we, we had a blast, even though it was just the two of us, but no, I, there were some great responses to that tweet, by the way. Um, delete this unless you have like nine kids you're bringing to the games or a snazzy oxygen tank catheter combo. Um, yeah, I got some good, good replies on that. And I definitely got ratioed on it. I, I knew it was going to be unpopular, but it's something I believe in and something we can all agree. I think is that three thirty is the ultimate college football time slot. Michigan, Michigan state should be three thirty on Halloween weekend every year from now until eternity, etch it in stone Agreed. and, uh, and let's everybody move on because that's, that's where the game was born to be, uh, slotted in. Agreed. Um, on a somewhat related note here, pickle as Ferguson, his, uh, tag on Twitter is at thick Nergison. Uh, he says that his girlfriend's first ever tailgate is in two weeks in East Lansing. What do I need to do to prepare her? Um, she is <laughs> her first ever tailgate is going to be undefeated Michigan state hosting most likely undefeated Michigan. That's going to be a hostile environment. 
So I guess first of all, I I would if she doesn't have Twitter, I would tell her to download Twitter, have her just follow some of the same people you follow and just get a feel, right? Just scroll through some tweets for the week, give her the whole week and just so she kind of understands what she's walking into first and foremost. Um second of all, I definitely she's got to prepare the liver a little bit. Um, so over this next, uh, we got about 12, 11 days, I think, um, until the, the game kicks off, start mixing in like, you know, two beers every night, you know, just, just kind of just prepping, you know, you don't, don't get drunk every night, but just, just start to prep it a little bit, you know, get the system moving a little bit, get the liver, uh, you know, working. And, uh, yeah, other than that, just have a blast i tailgating in east lansing is one of my favorite things on the planet earth uh by if you guys are prepared and you got a group that you're going with and you got tents and you got food and you actually have a setup that you're going to do it right um it's it's one of the greatest things on the planet earth so just enjoy it yeah and on a related note if uh if your girlfriend is anything like my fiance you should probably bring uh, your own boxing gloves or body armor or whatever, because my fiance would be trying to pick fights on my behalf the entire day. Uh, be prepared for that. If she if she's really taken the spirit of the rivalry to heart, you may have to fight off some Wolverines. So um, just be ready for anything and uh, make sure she gets to the game on time so she can see all that. That's an important uh, note. And I mentioned it is a noon game and the morning will go quick. So keep an eye on the time where watch, do what you got to do, set alarms. And, um, and you know, her alcohol limit, I'm guessing. Right. And just keep an eye because you, you don't want her slumped over in the stadium midway through the second quarter. That's because then you're going to have to leave the game with her. You, the, there's nobody wants that. So keep an eye. If, if she is one who tends to get a little too drunk, a little too quickly, just keep an eye on it and, and make sure that you're, I've been in that position before. It's not a fun position to be in. You don't want to be leaving the game midway through the second quarter because she couldn't handle her booze or something. Not saying she can't. I'm just saying, keep an eye on it. There's always halftime nap time, but you right. got to get there. You got to make it there. So uh, just get to halftime nap time. The rest will work itself out. All right, uh, back to actual football here. Luthon Spartan again at Luthon S on Twitter. If the Vegas line is three wins the rest of the way out, do you take the over or the under the rest of the way? Just as a reminder for the people listening, if you don't have the schedule handy versus Michigan on October 30th at Purdue versus Maryland at Ohio State versus Penn State. So that's five games the rest of the way. The over-under is set at three, so if you're taking the over, you need four wins out of that. You need to beat Purdue, you need to beat Maryland, you need to beat Michigan, and you need to beat one of Ohio State or Penn State is the way I'm looking at it. And if you're taking the under, that means you're you're probably guessing you're, you're going to beat Purdue and Maryland and lose to Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Um, so if we can't pick the push here, Scott, uh, what are you taking, the over or under? I mean, the push is the obvious pick, um, but like you said, can't take it. So this isn't soccer betting. There's no ties in football. Um, <sighs> if I'm putting my hard-earned money on the line and I'm just looking at which one objectively is more likely, I'm probably taking the under. And I'm only saying that because Purdue all of a sudden – is looking like one of the best teams in the Big Ten West, and we have to go on the road to play them. Their offense, I think, plays a style that's going to really challenge our defense. And that game all of a sudden being a tough game, along with Michigan that I think is 50-50 right now, along with Penn State and Ohio State that are worse than 50-50 right now, I think if you just look at probabilities, it's more likely we only win two than we get all the way up to four wins. Yeah, a computer model would definitely agree with you. Um, it's it's a challenging number. If Again, if I'm putting hard-earned money, I would bet the push, to be honest. But if we can't do that, 
I will, you know, you, you got to play a little bit more of the optimist card in the off season while I had to temper the expectations. I'll go with the optimistic side. Now I think we're beating Michigan on Saturday. I think we're beating Purdue. I think we're beating Maryland. And uh, I guess in this case, we're beating Penn state too. Cause I, I think at Ohio state at the shoe, their role. And I think that's a loss, but yeah, I was about to say a word that I can't say on a family-friendly program, but F it. Yeah, we'll go four and one down the stretch. Why not? Uh, let's see here. Where where are we at? Uh, we got through this question. We got through this question. Uh, we, we take it to Facebook now. Uh, we got a couple, well, again, quick hitters here uh, on Facebook. If you're not a part of the Facebook group, make sure that you are as we lead into Michigan week coming up here. It is the standing room Spartans community on Facebook. Just search standing room Spartans community. You'll find the group. It's public. You can just hop on in. Um, we got a, a one question that, that I, I can speak for both of us here saying we're not going to touch because we don't know answers to, and we don't want to speculate, but so Salim Bob, Bob or Bob, Bob I don't know if you pronounce the W as a, as a V sound or a W sound uh, where you're from Salim. So I hope you're listening and I hope you appreciate that. I at least tried uh, to, to not butcher your name. What are your thoughts on the absence of Ricky white this season? Do you think he is the plaintiff in the, uh, in the filed title nine lawsuit against Michigan state alleging unfair suspension? Will we see him in a Spartan uniform this year or ever again? Again, I'll speak for both of us. We don't know. Uh, we don't want to speculate and uh and be unfair to the situation here so we're we're gonna move on from that one james bannon he says it looks like msu will redshirt their four offensive line recruits this season have you heard anything about how they are doing on scout team uh to be quite frank not not really um i i'll kind of say this we've we've touched on it before we're not like insiders (laughs) just just as like a, a heads up for the people out there but just to throw the names out in case people forgot uh, Gino Vandemark from New Jersey. We had Ethan Boyd from right here in East Lansing, Michigan. We had uh, who am I missing here? Brandon Baldwin. He was the community college uh, from independence from the Netflix show. Uh, And Kevin Wigginton also from New Jersey. Those are the four offensive linemen. Uh, We haven't seen them on the fields and, and we're not at practice. Uh, Nobody's really at practice. So um I, I guess anything to add there, Scott, or no. Um I think Gino Vandermark was the most promising prospect, but we all know that um high school hype doesn't always equate to college football success. So all four guys especially are sure working hard, uh, especially on the old line. So they're all working hard. We may not even see them next year. I mean, we got guys who've been in the program for a couple of years now who still aren't really seeing the field. Um, who I think will be good players, but it's just, it's, it's a group, it's a group in a position that you really got to work at for a while. Um, and when you have bodies up front that are a little bit older and you don't necessarily need to rely on the younger guys. So maybe a little bit before we see those guys start to trickle in, but, uh, it'll be exciting to watch them, uh, when their time comes. All right. We're coming up against it, Scott. We got three minutes, uh, to answer this, this whole loaded group of questions, I guess, uh, so that we give ourselves about 10, 12 minutes for the superlatives. Scott DeSander on the Facebook group. First question, Scott, I want a one word answer with this one. What do you feel the, the biggest position need is next year? I feel like I'm not allowed to talk until I have my answer. So I'm <laughs> I guess it can be more than one word, but one position. Um, Oof. I should have come prepped. I knew this was coming. Uh, I'm going to say running back with the assumption that Kenneth Walker's gone. Okay. I, yeah, I I'll say, Ooh, now see, I've been thinking about this a while and I still, I'll say interior offensive line guard or center. Um, all right. Yeah, if if Kenneth Walker's gone, that's going to be tough to replace. I was thinking safety. He mentioned safety, but Darius Snow will fill it fill in there. I, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, how many do you think he will take in the portal, and how many do you think he'll take in the class? 
Um, just, just to hit on it real quick, I think we're not going to see anywhere near the transfer numbers that we saw last year. That was an anomaly. Throw that out the window. That's a first-year head coach coming in, getting signed after the, the first signing period. Um, but, I, I mean, just kind of glancing at it, because the last question as well was, uh, what's the best recruited position from this class? Uh, I'm guessing he's talking about the 2022 class. Um, which is interesting because I, I think there are a couple athletes that we're not really sure where they're going to fit in. You have Shannon Blair out of Tennessee, uh, either a safety or a corner. I am sure he's a defensive back, but I'm not sure where Tyrell Henry out of Roseville. Uh, we're not really certain uh, on where he's going to play Jaden Mangum, Dylan Tatum. We we've got a lot of just athletes designation and we're not sure is that a running back is it a wide receiver is a defensive back um i think that makes it pretty tricky but scott do you have any any good answer here as far as uh the best position group in this class so far i'm gonna say yeah i'm gonna say the safeties um we have malik spencer and quavion carter who are both three-star safeties who are thoroughbred safeties and I expect Dylan Tatum to be a safety or a nickel, uh, but we'll group him into that interior defensive back group. And I think Jaden Mangum leans towards a safety, but we'll see where he ends up. In any case, even with Dylan Tatum and the other couple, Spencer and Carter, I think safety is the strongest group. Um, the wide receivers could be up there if the athletes lean that way as well. You've got Jerron Glover, you've got Antonio Gates. And uh, we mentioned the athletes like Tyrell Henry, who I think leans more towards a wide receiver than a defensive player at the college level. Uh, in any case, though, athletes across the board. I'll go with a surprise pick. I'll say the tight ends. We have two really good tight ends in this class. And between Jack Nickel out of Georgia and Michael Masunas out of Arizona, it's two really damn good football players that I expect to have good, long Michigan State careers. So, while not the top end talent, I think it's two guys in the same position group that that generally you don't see a class take more than one tight end. And certainly you don't see a class take more than one serviceable, good tight end. So uh, I'm really curious to see what these guys can do in their career. They're a little bit different types of, of players. Uh, both of them more of that kind of pro style tight end, though, that that can line up in line, block, get out in 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 a pass set. And, and I'm, I'm really curious. So I'll, I'll go on a limb here and say the tight ends. All right. We got through all the questions. Uh, we're, we're flying through this thing. We got about 10, 12 minutes here. So we'll, we'll hit on our superlatives. We wanted to at least make sure we did something here halfway through the year. You know, it's, it's a fun topic that a lot of people are doing. We're not new to it, but we wanted to kind of give our takes. So we'll start with the top. We'll start with the most important one. Uh, the MVP. Scott, we're seven games through the year. We're undefeated. Things are looking up. We got a Heisman candidate. We got preseason or midseason All-Americans that are listed. Uh, we got a lot of things here. Uh, the MVP through seven games of this here college football season is? It, Kenneth Walker. Um, I was tempted to go defensive. We'll get to that. I think we have defensive player of the year on here. But Kenneth Walker has made this team what it is. I think we have a good team. Uh, but I don't think we have an undefeated team without Kenneth Walker. And it's hard to say that about anyone else on the team. So Kenneth Walker is my midseason MVP. I will echo everything that you just said. And because I want to give another name here, my honorable mention, I will go with Xavier Henderson. If we yep. look at the value to your team, he's been a captain every single week. You know, they're doing the weekly captains here. He's been a captain every week and on the field. I don't think he's missed a tackle all season long. He's the leader of the defense, uh, both in terms of like off the field leadership and on the field play. He's had a couple touchdown saving plays. He's had a couple touchdown saving tackles. He's been playing lights out. I uh, want to give a shout out to Xavier Henderson there as a, as an honorable mention MVP candidate, the unsung hero, Scott. Uh, I think this team has been hyped up quite a bit by the fan base, but uh, there are a couple names that are maybe slipping through the cracks a little bit. Um, so who is the un unsung hero through seven weeks? Well, I know we're big fans of him here and his name does come up. Um, it's not, he hasn't, it's not that he hasn't been talked about at all, but I don't think he's been talked about enough. Jacob Slade, the grim sleeper 
is uh, the anchor of this defense at this point. This defense that's allowing 120 rushing yards per game, 3.3 rushing yards per attempt, and less than a rushing touchdown a game. And um, he basically won the Nebraska game for us. I know we obviously we needed Jaden Reed's uh, return touchdown and everybody contributed, but he has made plays in close games consistently when we needed a play to be made. I'm not talking first and 10, you get a tackle for loss and you set the defense behind or the offense behind the sticks. I'm talking third and one in a close game and you need a stop. He's the guy who, who makes a man miss in the three technique or the one technique and gets through stops the guy behind the line. He's been phenomenal and the stats won't necessarily show it, but he has been there when we need him. And, uh, and I don't think he's getting, you mentioned earlier, defensive tackle. It's a tough position to really get the recognition that I think a lot of these guys deserve. And, and he's been, he's been outstanding. Yeah. We didn't talk about this before we started recording, but I agree 100%. He got my game ball for Nebraska. He almost got my game ball uh, last week. He, he's been playing just outstanding ball. So I'll move on to offensive player of the year. And this is where I'll, I'll take my moment to talk about Kenneth Walker who has, you know, he, they call him the eraser for a reason. I mean, he makes somebody miss seemingly every play. Uh, the way that we've been able to kind of stay on top of this offense, stay on schedule, as, as they like to say, and, and continuously move the chains. Kenneth Walker's been an enormous part of that, and, and he's a Heisman candidate for a reason. Kenneth Walker, Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I already uh, mentioned him, but I can't make him my MVP and not my Offensive Player of the Year. So uh, I echo everything you said. Defensive Player of the Year, I'll go with Xavier Henderson. I think he has been playing, again, just outstanding football, hasn't missed a tackle, and just I can't say enough good things about him. Seven tackles for loss on top of all the things that we've already talked about. Yeah, um, he is my Defensive Player of the Year as well. It'd be really hard to pick anyone else. Jacob Panaschik's probably my runner up for defensive player of the year, just given the insane production that really came out of nowhere. I mean, obviously he's been around and he's looked good uh, for a long time, but nothing like we've seen. I mean, five and a half sacks in seven games. Um, he leads the country in QB pressures by, I think by 10, he's like, he's got 45. I think second is, is in the mid thirties. Uh, it's, it's incredible what he's doing, but Xavier Henderson is the heart and soul of this defense. He's the captain. He's the the playmaker. You mentioned there's not a better tackler maybe in the Big Ten um, when you need it to, to bring a guy down. So Xavier Henderson, midseason defensive player of the year. Special teams player of the year, midseason here. I think there, there could be three legitimate of the three kind of you look at punter, kicker, kick return, punt returner. And there could be three names that you could – very easily toss in there. So I'm curious which way you go uh, of your special teams player of the year midway through the season. Yeah. So Matt Coughlin is a very strong third for me. Bryce Berenger is a very strong second, but I got to go with Jaden Reed for the sole fact that he he's won us games in special teams, specifically Nebraska. I mean, what can you say about when the offense is completely dead and you're going to lose the game. I mean, if, if it's just offense versus defense in that Nebraska game, we lose. I'm confident in that. But Jaden Reed makes a play, scores a touchdown in the return game, wins us a game, keeps the undefeated season alive, wins a tough Big Ten game. Nebraska's looking like a better and better win, even though they have four losses. Um, and and I got to go with them. I and mean, we, we just have not seen that dynamic at Michigan State, probably since Keyshawn Martin or maybe even before and um, I got to give credit where it's due. But again, both kickers, the kicker and the punter, uh, Coughlin and, and Behringer deserve a lot of credit here. I just think Jaden Reed's a, a special talent. I was hoping you'd go another direction there. But Jaden Reed, he, like you said, a special teams play single-handedly won us a football game, or at least brought us into overtime so that we could win that football game. And uh, you remember the Western Kentucky game? I, that was the first points on the board was that punt return touchdown in that one. So um, really setting the tone, it, you know, they come in key moments. Uh, it's it just insane. Like I said, he's probably going to be first team all big 10 as far as a special teams player. Uh, yeah, he's he's been electric with the ball in his hands. And, and I have to give him the special teams player of the year for that reason. Surprise player. Uh, for me, I'll go with somebody that 
Uh, we, you know, again, we, we talked about him on this very podcast way back in like April for very briefly, because we were talking about who, who popped in that spring game, you know, the spring practice, whatever you want to call it. We said, that's Simeon Barrow kid. Like, you know, I, I remember his name coming up as a recruit, but haven't really heard anything from him since. And he, he looked like he was just blowing through that offensive line a couple times. I don't know if he was just going in against the backups or what. And then he has come on strong with, with Tyler Hunt, uh, or sorry, with Jalen Hunt being out for, for a few games here already early this year. Uh, he has stepped into that role and played exceptional football. So Simeon Barrow is, as far as a surprise player, um, I, I really, I think he caught a lot of people off guard. And even though we, we were a podcast that brought up his name, Hey, that, that goes for us included as far as guys, he, he's really surprised this year. Yeah, I like it. He's up there. There's actually guys across the defensive line that have, have popped. Um, I was tempted to go with a Kenneth Walker or a Jacob Panashuk or even a Jacob Slade, because even though we knew all of them would be productive, we, I don't think we knew the extent to which they'd be productive this season. Um, but those are big names. I'm going to go with another defensive lineman here in Jeff Petrowski, who exploded onto the scene. Drew Beasley went down our defensive ends. And even before Drew Beasley went down our defensive ends, um, we needed depth there. And he is a D'Antonio recruit who absolutely does not check the Mel Tucker size, athleticism, strength boxes uh, necessarily. He's undersized. He looks more like an outside linebacker, but the dude, he's just the kind of guy who he's got enough grit to make plays and, and it comes out on the field and he's hard to stop. And um, he may not be our best defensive lineman, but I think he's probably outperforming expectations as much as anyone on the team. And uh, just a guy you love to root for. Yeah, um, we got four more here. So let's try to roll through most improved. This is uh, for me, one that we've talked about recently offline at Jacob Panashuk. Um, the, the things that he's done this year, he's shown very subtle flashes of, I, but I, I don't think we expected him to be anything other than a strong edge setting run defender as a defensive end who could get after the passer, get after the quarterback in terms of like effort plays. But the, the things he's been doing off the edge this year have been shocking. He has improved leaps and bounds over the last four years let alone last year yeah I like it I'm going to go with Cal Halliday um a guy who we knew linebacker was going to be tough this season um going into throughout the offseason we were talking about a lot of different names who who's going to be starting is it going to be Noah Harvey is it going to be Chase Klein is it going to be Quaveris Crouch is it going to be Ma'a Nateote all kinds of names nobody was really throwing around Cal Halliday until the middle of fall camp and he's come out and he's looked like a guy who's maybe in his second year, third year uh, in the center of the defense. I mean, this isn't a guy who's kind of getting his feet under him. This is a guy who's, who's one of the better players on our defense. You can tell he knows how to set the alignments. You can tell he knows how to read an offense and he knows where to be. He's a good tackler. He's good in coverage. I mean, the, the dude looks like a, a seasoned uh, big 10 linebacker and we weren't talking about him at all, admittedly he was not on our radar at all. He was, I, I don't think he hardly touched the field last year, maybe on special teams. And uh, all of a sudden he's, he's one of our better starters. So um, yeah. Best position group for me, it comes down to three groups. Uh, I will go though with the, the one I think is the deepest and it's the wide receivers. I, I think one, two, and three, you have uh, not only the obvious and Jaden Reed, who's, who's playing excellent, you have Jalen Naylor, who the last couple weeks has finally found his groove. But then you have Trey Mosley, who I think is quietly putting together a really nice season. And I do still think we have some really good players behind them that just aren't able to even get on the field because those three are, are so good. So uh, give me the wide receivers here uh, at this point, the best position group. When you said you were going with the deepest group, I thought we were uh, headed in the same direction, but we're not. I think the, the best and deepest group is the defensive line. That was um, the other we, one. Obviously, we lost Drew Beasley. Jalen Hunt's been banged up. Uh, but through and through, I mean, you got guys like Maverick Hansen, Jeff Petrovsky, Kyle King, all coming on the field, making plays, not just stop gaps to give the other guys breathers, but actually 
providing production on the defensive line, disrupting, winning the line of scrimmage. Um, it's been a great group to watch. Ron Burton has, has been one of the holdovers, obviously, from the D'Antonio era, and you can tell he's been working with these guys for a while because that group looks phenomenal. Best, uh, yeah, linebackers was the other one that I considered with Halliday and Crouch, uh, but best freshman, we've, we've really only seen a couple of them on the field, but Chuck Brantley played really well when he was in there early in the season. Um, Marky Lowry has kind of taken his spot, but I, I think Chuck Brantley is the obvious best freshman here. Yeah, he's, uh, as far as true freshmen go, he would be my pick as well. Simeon Barrow's a redshirt freshman. So if we're counting redshirts, I'm going with Simeon Barrow. He's I think been Cal Halliday's just... a redshirt freshman too. So The redshirts are tough because a lot of them are third-year yeah. redshirt freshmen. Um, so take that whichever direction. True freshman, it's Chuck Brantley. I think Ma Nauteote is really the only other guy who's really seen any meaningful snaps. Uh, but but Brantley's the guy there. So. Um, uh, and the last, the last uh, award we'll give out here, I think we can speak pretty unanimously on this one. The best newcomer, whether it's a freshman or an incoming transfer. Um, I mean, come on, it's, it's Kenneth Walker, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll bring it full circle from our team MVP to our best newcomer. It's the same guy. It's Kenneth Walker. Uh, Corners we have excited. stepped up. Ronald Williams, Kimbrough, right? Quaveras Crouch has done well. Jarrett Horst has been a staple, but it's, it's Kenneth Walker. Yeah, we were excited. We watched his tape at Wake Forest. We said, this guy looks like he's got something. I think he's uh, he's going to be good. But even going into the season, we were like, I don't think he's going to be a workhorse type guy. This is still going to be a stable. We've got a great stable of running backs. Well, he's a workhorse type guy. He's taken probably 90% of our carries. I mentioned earlier, he has 152 attempts. Second, if you don't count Peyton Thorne, second is Jordan Simmons with 37 attempts. And third is uh, Harold Joyner with eight. So he is a workhorse. <laughs> He is our bell cow back and he is the best newcomer on the team. All right. Well, we got through 11 questions and a couple of almost were two parters or three parters. We got through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 superlatives, superlative awards. And we did it in just about an hour. So I'm, I'm very proud of our performance here today. Uh, if you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe and tell your friends. We really appreciate the continued support. You guys are the absolute best, um, especially with an episode like this. It, there's a lot that goes into it. So please share with your friends. If you have one Spartan friend out there, just send them the link. Say like, hey, you know, here's a good recap of the season so far. We'd really appreciate that. Leave a review on Apple Podcast if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter, all of that fun stuff. Uh, the, the links will be in the, the show notes here. And uh, yeah, we hope you guys have a great week. We're still doing our picks on Friday, even though Michigan State's not playing. So if you're going to be watching the slate and you're curious about uh, who to throw a little DraftKings wager on, um, or you just want to know who we're picking uh, as, as we wind down into the back half of the season with our own personal contest here, make sure you're following along. And other than that, Scott, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.